going around in circles. Last week, I spoke of our adventures of getting lost in rural areas and the surprising creatures we saw. This week, I'm going to recount my recent adventure of getting lost in the big city. It should have been a simple trip. Although it involved traversing two freeways, it'd been a journey I'd made numerous times. I knew it well. So well, in fact, I didn't really pay any attention to the signs. I made sure I was watchful of the trucks and the cars that loved to squeeze into tight places, anxious to get ahead, get in front, be first on the road. But somehow, while thinking about my hurtling highway companions, I ignored the huge signs which indicated off-ramps, and before I knew it, I followed the first one I saw. Only after I was already on it, committed to my errant decision, with no possibility of turning back, did I realize I was on the wrong one. Furthermore, I didn't have a clue which way I should turn, left or right, for before me stretched miles of railroad tracks with no possibility of crossing over them. Moreover, I realized that, foolishly, I'd left my cell phone at home. Not only could I not call my husband for guidance, but I couldn't check my GPS for directions. At first, I thought, how hard can it be to get my way back home? After all, I knew I was only one off-ramp away from the right one. But remember that barrier? Those multiple ribbons of track which prevented me from turning the way I wished to go? By now, none of the street names I passed were at all familiar. I was well and truly lost, yet so close to home. Finally, I found a street name I recognized and eased off onto it. But then I was faced with another decision, turn right or left. God help, I prayed, and felt a nudge to go right. Shortly, I saw the shop I'd started out from 20 minutes before. All I could do was laugh. I had literally gone around in circles, absolutely clueless as to where I was going. And yet God, in his mercy and faithfulness, had brought me back to the beginning so I could start again. This time, I paid much more careful attention and made it home in minutes. But what a lesson learned. The children of Israel had just such an experience, only theirs didn't last for minutes, but years, 40 years to be exact. Remember their fruitless journey around the mountain? In case you've forgotten, let me refresh your memory. They just escaped through the Red Sea, their enemy floundering as the waters tumbled over their shoulders. The Israelites were ecstatic at the deliverance, as we read in Exodus 14. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him, and they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. With Moses as their choir master, they sang a triumphant song of praise, proclaiming the greatness of their God. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? But almost immediately, their praise 
turned to pouting as they came across the bitter waters of the oasis at Mara. Despite their complaining, God provided 12 fresh springs and followed that up with manna and quail from heaven and his gracious promises through the rock of his counsel on the tablets of stone. But their rock wasn't enough. His counsel wasn't sufficient, as we see Moses saying to the assembly in Deuteronomy 32, just before his death, having wandered with them for 40 years in the wilderness and never to step into the promised land. Still, he sings, he is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he. But he complained and he was sorrowful. They have acted corruptly toward God. When they act so perversely, are they really his children, he asks? They are de deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Although frustrated with their faithful faithlessness, yet still he speaks a blessing over them in Deuteronomy 33, closing it with, How blessed you are, O Israel! Who else is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is your protecting shield and your triumphant sword. Despite what their disobedience and his frustration cost him, Still, he prayed for God to bless them. But how did they end up circling the mountain for 40 years? Their enemy was defeated. Their captivity was over. Pharaoh's enslavement was ended. But still, they weren't able to enter the promised land. Whatever happened? By the guidance of the Lord, under the leadership of Moses, the Israelites had arrived at Kadesh Barnea a place significant in the history of their people, for it was where Abraham had defeated the Amalekites, and it was the place that Hagar, having fled the cruelty of Sarah, heard the comforting voice of God and declared, You are the God who sees me. How fitting, then, that God would choose this place to where he would tell them, Send out the men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Would they trust the Lord who had brought them victory over their enemy as he did Abraham or the one who had comforted them as he did Hagar in her distress? Sadly, they didn't believe. When 10 of the spies returned with the fearful report of a monstrous enemy too huge to defeat, the courageous encouragement of Caleb and Joshua, we can certainly conquer it, went unnoticed and unheeded. The entire community sobbed all night, threatening even to stone Joshua and Caleb and select new leaders abandoning Moses and Aaron. And after their ridiculous railing, God had heard enough. And it was only the intercession of Moses that saved their lives. 
yet their rebellion was not without consequence. I will pardon them, God said, as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. When Moses told them this, when he said, Listen, you had a chance and sent out the men and they explored for 40 days. And so now you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences for your sin. Then you'll discover what it's like to have God as your enemy. Well, they were filled with grief and thought their remorse was sufficient for God to once again change his mind. The next morning, they eagerly arose, ready to enter the promised land and do battle with the enemy, saying, we have realized we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the promised land. The Lord has promised us. It's as if they could say, oops, I'm sorry. I'll do better now. Let's go get the blessing. Despite Moses' warning, they defiantly pressed forward and lost. And so for 40 years they wandered, returning to Kadesh Barnea again and again. Moses' sister Miriam died and was buried there. Moses in fury struck the rock to quench the thirst and the complaints of the petulant people, a rash decision that would cost him entry into the promised land as well. Because God told him, because you didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. It was a place of routing. It was a place of restoration. And it was a place of rebellion. And each time God was there. But he wasn't just with them at Kadesh. Mm -mm. He was with them wherever they traveled. Deuteronomy 2 explains, For the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He has watched your every step through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. Your clothes didn't wear out, and your feet didn't blister or swell. Despite their rebellion, their petulance, their whining and disobedience, God was with them, humbling and testing them to prove their character and to find out whether or not they would obey his commands. But what about us? Have we been wandering? Do we feel like we've been going in circles? Do we see little change in our lives from last year to this? Are we at the same place spiritually, financially, physically, emotionally? that we were a year ago? Perhaps we've been like Moses and gotten angry at life's circumstances and in a grump acted out our frustration. Or perhaps we've been like the children of Israel who heard the word of the Lord and refused to act on it, denying his strength and doubting his promises. Perhaps like me, on my easy journey home, we've gotten distracted and taken the wrong exit, only to find ourselves lost and circling around without GPS or the ability to call for help. <laughs> but wait, 
as his children were never in such a place. He's only a whispered prayer away, as he was for me. And before I knew it, he'd brought me to where I'd started from in order to begin my journey home again, successfully this time. All we have to do is to get back to where we started from when we got off track. I had to, and then I found my way again, and I paid attention to the road signs he carefully marked out. I concentrated on the journey and didn't get distracted by the billboards, the radio, the traffic, or the mundane thoughts rumbling in my head. We don't have to go around in circles, getting nowhere. That's not the journey God has planned for us. He wants to teach us faithfulness, show us his strength to save and his love to guide. His presence is always with us, as he says in Deuteronomy 31.6. Let's hold his hand for the journey, for he will never let us go, as he says in Psalm 73. And although the road may be rocky at times, we'll always be moving forward to the promised land. Hallelujah, beloved. Hallelujah.